Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about cryptids, curiosities, and creatures curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when he's definitely not touching the children that he drags into his boiler room before slicing them up with his razor hand is Gavin. <laughs> okay. And this weirdo with me who is scraping up a uh, uh, third rail victim is Hess. You never have them pre-planned, is that right? Like No, just, I don't, no. You just, whatever <laughs> just comes out of your out of your head. Yeah, it just zings to me. I forget that we introduce each other all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I only prepare like a word and a picture and like some other stuff that I might want to say. And I, for 46 times in a row... Actually, 50, since we did a bunch of others. Yeah. Like, uh, I have forgotten that we introduce each other. <laughs> At school, when I play the um, uh, Alien Imposters game that I mentioned before with them, that's basically like <laughs> werewolf except on a, a Martian colony. Uh, I, whenever one of them is is revealed to be the alien when they're pushed out of the airlock, I just spin the wheel in my brain and pull out. Oh, their head explodes. They turn into a pile of space monsters or space spiders or space crabs. Yeah. Yesterday I said or today I said space puppies. But they're aliens and they're deadly uh, because yeah. my brain just landed on you know double zeros. Just deadly puppies. I'm like that's not a thing, Aaron. You can't do deadly puppies. Whatever. I'm a huge fan of describe the killing blow. All right, so we are here to. As we always are, delight and edify you. We just lost all of the 12-year-olds that came here from the Among Us episode. Delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers. Reminder, hit up the Instagram, at OopsAllMonsters. It's exactly what you would think it would be. It's Instagram. It's at OopsAllMonsters. And uh, it is a me episode today. Gavin does not know what the topic is going to be. Aren't we all so excited? Uh, when it's a me episode, Gavin brings in Very something exciting. for our hit segment... Villainous vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. Gavin, do you have some vocabulary that may or may not be more or less villainous for us today? Have you ever heard the term to balter or baltering? Uh, okay, balter. I have baltered. Balter. I will balter. I am baltering. Yeah. No, Unle and unless it's a unless it's a a gate that you battle in a video game. No, I'd, I'm not familiar with uh, baltering. What is balter? B-A-L-T-E-R? Yeah. Well, it's an archaic word that means to dance or tread clumsily. In the pale moonlight? To balter? To, to, to balter? Yes, to balter. This word was brought to us by Baron Von Bing. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dave. Okay. <laughs> Um, how did we come across to balt to dance in a stumbling fashion? How did yeah. we come across that word? That's a really I don't know. A fan of the show suggested that I do it. Oh, okay. Thanks, Dave, yeah. fan of the show. <laughs> Is that a punk rock Dave that I would know? There's a lot of punk rock Daves. Mm. No, it's not a. There's a lot of punk rock Daves, and it is not one of them. All of the Daves These we know, Daves we know. know. These are the Daves we These know. These are the Daves I know. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that has been Villainous Vocabulary. Thanks, Dave number 769. We do know a lot of Daves, in addition to the ones yeah. from Kids in the Hall. It's it's, a, it's an Elaine Boozler amount of baltering. 
if you will. Imagine it is 1989 or 1990. You've never been too good with dates. You are, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to actually give you a little bit of a, a warning, Gavin. You may get this one very quickly. If you do, okay. feel free to harumph or guffaw an indication, but try to stick around okay. until you get exactly what character you are, okay? Because okay. you might, All so, because right. uh, I want to get some of this one out. So it's 1988 or 89, you've never been too good with dates. You are a stone dumb ball scratch asshole teenager in the middle of nowhere, USA. You're pissed off because life sucks, the world is bullcrap, and there's nothing to do with this town except shoot hoops and masturbate behind the convenience store to pornography you steal from the crazy gun-nut neighbors when they go out of town to swinger conventions. Recently, some hot lady, some kind of scientist from a big city in California or Washington, who the fuck cares, rolled down Main Street looking for supplies. Main Street, it's the only street, and it's barely even paved. Just a cracked black fingernail and hundreds of miles of dusty nothingness in every direction. The hot scientist said she was here to look for... Tom Sizemore or something in the desert. Not sure how she's going to find that old fart actor with a Jeep and a fax oh, machine. No. But you could oh, see girl. the straps her <laughs> you could see the straps of her bra while she was buying bottled water. So the day's yeah. not a total loss. Okay, time to go throw M80s at rabbits for the rest of the day until dinner. Oh shit, what are Val and Bert doing back so soon? They were yeah. tear ass and out of town at like 100 miles an hour the last time I saw them. Um, Gavin, <laughs> what is our topic and who are you? Is this, is this a hefty tremors? Yeehaw! It's your one <laughs> chance fancy don't let us down. It is motherfucking tremors it's... up in this motherfucking desert. We did it, we did it, we faced temptation and did not fail. Goddamn praise the Lord. <laughs> it's tremors. We have a history with not only tremors, but the phrase, it's tremors. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Specific. Well, I'll get that. I'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, the topic <laughs> yeah. is tre tremors and the graboids and also fuck Darren. <laughs> Ruining a meta aspect of a game that I put a lot of effort into. <laughs> yeah. I set up this game, the premise of which was you don't know what the game is. Uh, a role-playing yeah. game, uh, and he and his uh, ex-girlfriend were sitting there just being like Statler and Waldorf, not even playing the game, just painting yeah. minis, sucking in the ambient nerdistry of it, and sitting there spamming ideas. I bet it's, I, I bet it, I bet it's a Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, the game. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's Gremlins Two, the game. I bet it's Night Court, the game. Until finally, they did pick the right thing. Anyone else with a comment? And handed it to you. It spoiled the fucking thing because, of course, it's Tremors. Because I love Tremors. Because Tremors is the greatest American horror film ever made. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I'm not gonna argue with how good Tremors. When I here. dove Scrooge McDuck like into the internet about uh, Tremors into all of the, <laughs> yeah. the my my gold coins uh, to find out what the internet w would tell me about Tremors. I found so <laughs> much toothless, limp dick <laughs> voting fucking mealy-mouthed crap about fucking tremors because I thought there would be a, a red-blooded unanimous feeling of how fucking rigid the 
penis of, of Tremors was and how fucking amazing of a movie it is. And everybody should just yeah. salute it at the beginning of every school day. But apparently not. Apparently everybody's real fucking divided about it. <laughs> and let me tell you this, uh, Americans, you and your precious, precious bodily fluids, you need to get the fuck in line because Tremors kicks your ass. <laughs> much like, uh, much like <laughs> Los Lobos. Los Locos kick your ass! Los Locos kick your face! Los Locos kick your balls into outer space! In Short Circuit 2. <laughs> kick your balls into outer space. Uh-huh. But they're also, don't let me, don't let me get too far, because there is a Short Circuit connection muchly and thoroughly yes. to this movie. Uh, Tremors is uh, a blockbuster film from 1990, it was slated to come out in 1989, uh, but it had so many fucks in it that they took it into the yeah. editing, back into the editing booth because Universal wanted to get a PG-13 rating, uh, wisely changed a lot of the fucks to humps and suckers and not things, yeah. which creates a lot of the um, odd redubbed uh, quasi-swears that particularly Kevin yeah. Bacon uses throughout the film. That you're like, why did he say that? There's a lot of things that are kind of adjacent to um, that's what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps kind of things, where um, yeah. you're like, why would you say... Uh, do you fly sucker? Nobody would say, do you fly yeah. sucker? It's because he didn't. Didn't say sucker. Yeah. We run like goddamn bastards. And uh, so in the in the effort of recutting it, it went from November of 89 into January of 1990. So uh, all, this movie was literally fucked into the 90s. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Stupid son bitch. Knocked itself cold. So it technically is a barely a '90s movie. Um, it does yeah. okay in uh, it does okay in theaters, but it has a resounding and long-lived tale of profit and um, I wouldn't say cult. I would just say horror genre enthusiasm. I think people th bandy about, about the word cult much too liberally. I think there's nothing yeah. cult about a blockbuster universal movie that had tons of press behind it and then lots of people liked it and then lots more people continued liking it. It's not really a cult. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you're not familiar with it, if, you, if you're if you in Zimbabwe listening to this right now and you've not seen Tremors, go fucking stop listening to this and go watch Tremors because we're going to spoil all of it and it kicks yeah. ass. But it is uh, a quintessentially American movie from Universal Films that is based off of the premise of what if Jaws was underground and then everything yeah. was the ocean and oh no... Um, yeah. And you slap a Kevin Bacon on it, fry that shit up, and it's delicious. It's worse than the floor is lava. Uh, yeah, it's 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 very similar to the floor is lava, except with you know like a like a, a ten or twenty million dollar budget, right? And yeah, and uh, <laughs> but it's also it's also very clever. So some things uh, there's some things about Tremors 
Um, it is shot near Lone Pine, California. It is the brainchild of two screenwriters, Steve Wilson, sometimes referred to as S.S. Wilson, and Brent Maddock, who are writing partners. They didn't just come together for this movie. They previously had success on Short Circuit and Batteries Not Included. They're also known for wi- yeah. The Wild Wild West and Heart and Souls, which our younger readers should, uh, if you're not familiar with Heart and Souls, um, it is a uh, um, MCU uh, Iron Man prequel where Iron Man is haunted by the, the a bunch of annoying ghosts inside of his robot heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe it was Steve Wilson, but if I get if it was actually Brent, you know, don't don't throw me into the ravine. That the, he worked for like the na- the Navy, some military organization. doing like research films or instructional films for the Navy. And they went on this hike and he was on this big boulder in the middle of the desert. And suddenly he had this childlike urge to imagine this kind of grandiose floor is lava kind of thing where he's like, well, what if there was something (laughs) in here and we couldn't get off this rock? And from there, they had this idea that then went in the, in the drawer during the like earlier mid eighties. And they, they never really had a chance to achieve it until they, had success with these other movies like Short Circuit and Batteries Not Included, two movies which are on a sublist of a kind of movie that I no longer watch, which is sad-ass movies where the robot or alien goes away at the end and makes everybody sad. I will also, <laughs> I, I will not watch, I will not watch Cocoon. What are some other, like, a, yeah. uh, I will not watch E.T., it's like it's just too yeah. it's too emotionally manipulative and it, it works on me in a way that I do not appreciate Hollywood. <laughs> I do see through your tricks. Oh, what's that fucking sad bastard one with uh with the the black guy with the three fingers? Why you have three five fingers? I only have enemy mine. Fuck that movie. Enemy mine, yeah. <laughs> you saved my life. Why? Maybe I need to look at another face, even as ugly as yours. Man, Short Circuit. Short Circuit made me so sad when I was a kid and for like a completely different reason. Well, that big fucking mute guy was playing with him like the little fucking birds. God damn it, sad. Yeah. It's like Fievel Goes West sad. Yeah, it showed like urban development in like the Bronx. And for some reason, seven-year-old Gavin understood exactly what they were, like, depicting there. (laughs) And I was like, that's so fucking sad that that happens. I'm, like, seven years old and, like, realizing for the first time that, like, um, corporations and land developers run people out of their homes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, batteries not included because it's not just sad because these little tiny robots are going to get crushed and lost. But they compound it <laughs> Fievel style where like the guy that helps them is a, is a is a black guy who's mute. So he can't defend himself yeah. because he's a marginalized character. The other people that come to help him are like appear to be like 900 years old. So they're also like on the fringes. Yeah. They're all poor. Their building's going to get torn down. It's just like Misery on top of misery on top of misery. And yeah. I, and it's just a very, it's a real nexus of, uh, of people being marginalized <laughs> in every possible fashion. And then they have to save these tiny robots. And it's like, all right, everybody, give me a fucking break. Put the little tiny <laughs> Jewish fiddle playing mouse back in Poland. I don't have time for these Nazi cats eating him. <laughs> Too much sadness. 
Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. <laughs> yeah, not going to watch batteries not included anymore. There was also, I just now realized that Short Circuit also has a woman who's going to lose her house in, like, animal rescue shelter. Yeah, no, I, I think <laughs> these, these... And the robot comes to her. These yeah. sons of bitches know what they're doing, Steve Wilson and Brett Maddock. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs> Um, they come together, uh, with the help of some, uh, talented people, not least of which is a, another rare case where I'm actually going to shout out a specific producer because Gail Ann Hurd is a producer of a yeah. magnificent quality responsible for, um, generating such films, including, but not limited to Terminator, Aliens, yeah. Alienation, The Abyss, Tremors, Terminator 2, Raising Cain, No Escape, Dante's Peak, Armageddon, Aeon Flux, two terrible Hulk movies, probably not her fault, two terrible Punisher movies, probably not her fault, Lore, a show based off of a <laughs> podcast, which you should check out because it's awesome, and then everything with mm -hmm. the name Walking Dead that's ever been made are all uh, a Gail Ann Hurd joint, and she's amazing, and she rules. Yeah. Um, two random yeah. things about Gail Ann Hurd, she has one daughter with Brian fucking De Palma. I'm pretty sure fucking is his actual <laughs> middle name. Uh, that girl's name coincidentally is also Lolita De Palma. I guess bet you didn't know that. And a quote from Gail <laughs> Ann Hurd from 2010 is it's uh, regarding The Walking Dead is it's not about zombies, really. People far wiser than we are talk about a primal fear that we have as human beings being dead, but not dead <laughs> with no control shuffling around with no awareness. And then you become a cannibal and eat your family. So thank <laughs> you, Gail and Hurd, for making so many badass movies. She talks about um, how she loves sci-fi, but particular, particularly sci-fi that's blended with action. And given that litany of films that are fantastic and right in the uh, center of the bullseye of this show we believe you um, so yes. uh, so this group comes together and makes this essentially jaws in the sand concept but the <laughs> yeah. devil really is in, is in the details because today we're only going to be covering the original 1990 uh, version to get our version of the graboids which are the underground um, yeah. worm monster things. Cause, uh, spoiler alert. As soon as you get past tremors, one, the quality, the asshole really blows out on the franchise. Yeah. They turn into straight to video movies. And also, uh, you know, we might eventually do a catch all of every version of the graboid, uh, uh, you know, in another season of this show. But oh my God, yeah. if I tried to go through, you know, they travel in time, they start marching around like dogs, they start running around in the water like sharks. They do every, they yeah. do every fucking thing. You know, they, they, you know, they, yeah. they get on the, the internet and start talking to your mom on Facebook. It's, it's a, it's really not, it's <laughs> yeah. not good. Uh, it's too much for yeah. the purposes of giving uh, any proper amount of information in today's episode. So we're going to stick to Tremors OG, Tremors 1990. <laughs> Goddamn bitch! Pardon my French. For today. Yeah, even though they, they had a chance with Tremors 4 
to make like a good movie. The one where it's cowboys. Yeah, right. It's it's, it's all, traveling all back in time. All you had to do time. was remake the first one. Yeah. All you had to do was remake the but first with cowboys. one. And say like, oh, Tremors have been here before. Yeah. And now here's some cowboys. But they didn't. They kind of added some bullshit and it, it turned out to be bad. Yep. <laughs> I am quite certain that it did. Um, but Tremors follows uh, Kevin Bacon, and the reason I d- made a hard left turn on my topics is because um, the second line star, in term, in my opinion, is, is not Reuben McIntyre. It is the recently deceased Fred Ward. That means we're stuck. That pisses me off. Oh, no. Character actor Fred Ward died just a couple of days ago as a recording of, uh, oh. of, this, uh, of this episode. Um, Fred Ward oh, was uh, born on December 30th, 1942 in San Diego. He died a few days ago on May 8th. Um, he was a marvelous character actor with intense eyes, a sly grin, and somewhat grizzled appearance, says his mini-bio on yeah. IMDb. Um, he is kind of an, an interesting character. He was in such acclaimed movies as The Right Stuff and had a kind of a bizarre hero moment with Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins in 1985, um, which is a kind of very <laughs> presumptuous uh, action movie about a difficult-to-explain uh, punch-em-up 80s action character who um, battles an, an extremely uh, racist portrayal of an Asian villain by Joel Grey, none other, other than the MC from from uh, from Cabaret, the f- film portraying a kind of Fu Manchu <laughs> and circled glasses, um, like kind of Chinese villain type. He was also like... Um, uh often played like the romantic interest to like a mother mm-hmm. or or something of that effect for like a secondary yeah. character in like or like a hilarious yeah hilarious dad or like cop mentor yeah. types yeah he he kind of his the shape yeah. of his jaw kind of made him look like he was directed by Marvel illustrator Jack Kirby you know he had he has kind yeah. of a, 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 I mean a, and I mean that in a positive way I mean he's just a very strong yeah. like the fact that they put him in the right stuff is not shocking he's kind of got that like Air Force going going yeah. to space like you know chewing on a cigar just kind of vibe which makes him uh, perfect for the character of Bert. Girl. Uh, and they're uh, <laughs> handy men, or you know, do it all hired hands that real, like literally, like wrangle shit and fix decks and 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 move bricks in their rusty old pickup truck in this complete non-town of perfection, Nevada, in the middle of fucking nowhere, when they discover. Yeah a series of old-timey sci-fi mysteries that they can't put together. They think maybe it's a killer. They come across this old dead guy that's up on a radio tower with a Winchester rifle who died of dehydration because he wouldn't come down because something scared him and kept him up there for multiple days. They come across another guy who's only just a decapitated head laying in the middle of the sand in the middle of his property and a bunch of uh, vivisected sheep. They don't understand how to put these ingredients together. Um, The audience is, we see a couple of um, line workers for, you know, what must be 
Bob Bell at the time, AT&T or whatever they called them in the movie, that get viciously attacked by this, you know, bizarre mo underground monster that is only shown through indirect action that that pulls them around through these hilarious kind of Buster Keaton gags until they're eventually subsumed into the earth and on only what's left is a, a sprinkling of blood in a pile of dust. Um, but quickly <laughs> we are introduced to... Um, tinier and tinier ingredients that display what this monster is. It's some kind of bizarre, massive snake or worm-like entity that pulls you underground and eats you and sometimes spits part of you out. Little sons of bitches. You know, half the movie we are only exposed to the graboids that are named later on in the film um, by a hilarious character, <laughs> Chang. Uh, Walter is his, as he will be referred to um, throughout the film. Hey, Earl, here's some Swiss cheese and some bullets. Uh, thanks, Walter. Uh, there was a lot of Michigas I heard on, on YouTube, on various podcasts, on reviews of Tremors that came at it in, in, in ways that I completely disagree with. I think the film is paced perfectly. I don't think it is a second too yeah. short or too long. I think it is a perfect yeah. blend of comedy and horror. I think it is a complete amalgam, a successful, you know, metalloid fusion of comedy and horror. Apparently, apparently, yeah. um, Stephen and Brent, the writers, went through seven different drafts, sending it back and forth on their um, home phone modems. Uh, it would take apparently 90 <laughs> minutes for the 120 pages of the script to push from one house to the other. And if they got a phone call in the, in the intervening, in, intervening 90 minutes, the whole thing would crash and they'd have to do it again. So they would just sit there and pray yeah. that nobody called for the hour and a half. And so in the seven versions of, of the script that they wrote, they were constantly... Adding humor, adding humor, adding humor until they realized that there were yeah. too many jokes. It got too gaggy. And they started pulling it out, pulling it out until they finally got a blend of humor, um, visual gags, horror, and were very focused on the characters reacting in their dialogue it, it, the way that people would actually react to bizarre, terrifying events. So um, I, and yeah. I'm kind of honing in on references um, that Steve Wilson goes on a short podcast. It's only a seven-episode uh, show uh, called Making Perfection that is about the behind-the-scenes creation of the movie. And if you care about Tremors, go watch Making Perfection. But on episode one, um, Wilson talks about how they had to... Um, they had to, they were working constantly to get the tone of realism from the dialogue correct. And so much so that you get specific things like Michael, Michael Gross after the spoiler alert, um, massive graboid punches through the, uh, arsenal room of the two prepper characters played by Reba McIntyre and Gross yeah. blow the holy yeah. bejesus out of it with a um, kind of rotating arsenal of upgraded weaponry that starts from, you know, open revolvers and ends with an elephant gun. It includes, you know, an, yeah. an Uzi <laughs> and, and a submachine gun. I mean, it's a, it's a right-wing 
prepper's wet dream, this scene. And after they finally blow this thing to holy hell and it gives up, he says, and I'm sure I'll just, you know, cover my dialogue up with the actual drop of it. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and Wilson is right. It really does reground the scene to like, that's what that guy would say. In that, you know, if yeah. that were to be a thing that could happen, that's what you would say. And, it, and I, I think, th you know, things like, oh, we'll just, you know, go between these residual boulders. And all of the very quotable elements from all of the various characters in this movie, um, they feel real enough that the movie doesn't fly off into, um, you know, br totally breaking your suspension of disbelief. I think the I think the movie feels, <laughs> for la for lack of a better pun, very grounded. <laughs> to keep the very bizarre, inexplicable monster scenario, um, you know, tethered to the audience's expectations and not just going off and being some bullshit that you totally write off as fake. Yeah, there's a there's a whole variety of hunting rifles and really cool revolvers on this one. Yeah, they I mean, for night for 1990, it's a real uh it's a real prepper's cornucopia of firearms. <laughs> yeah. Reva's got a AR and he's got an FN and they're all blasting this thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was probably one of the best scenes. And the pacing, I agree, is awesome. Like every part where it seems like it's slow is introducing like either a really good special effects gag or a clue to like what the tremors are. And if it like, oh, I already know it's a tremor. Well, yeah, shut I, up. I listened to this one what? podcast. Watch Kevin where, Bacon where, the, where they out. they felt that it was too repetitive, and I completely I completely <laughs> disagree. I I there, there's a there is a yeah. revelation page by page of this script where the audience, or I'm sorry, the the characters deduce in front of the audience in substantial ways what these things are, what they can do, what they can't do, and how they can and cannot trick them, and how smart they are, yeah. and what their limitations are. Um, you know, the, the, yeah. during the scenes where they, I mean, it takes a couple of scenes before they realize that the vibrations of the various machines in their world are attracting them. So, you know, the, the, the Pepsi yeah. cooler starts vibrating, and they freak out before the monsters even show up. They know the cause and effect. Cause effect in script writing is absolutely crucial and I dare you to find a movie from the 2015s or 20 you know the 2010s or the 2020s that 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 hits the beats of laying out your monster and creating boundaries around it while also making it scary yeah. that is as effective and efficient as the tremor script is because it really gets you piece by piece up the staircase to totally understand the situation and keep it frightening. That's something that happened in the eighties and nineties was like the, the movie would be built around the rules of the monster so that you understand yes. it. And that that's um, something that's kind of missing in a lot of stuff nowadays because like, um, well, first of all, it's all found footage horseshit. <laughs> and like, second of all, there's no rules to ghosts. So like, they can do anything. And it's all just fucking ghosts and like, jump scares and I'm sick of it and I want the 90s to come back. The great Oz has spoken. <laughs> um, so let me tell you why Tremors is the most American horror film ever made. I got a, I got a, I got a, you know, a little piece here. It says, so 
These practical morons and an overeducated lady from the city, armed with fast wits, cowboy boots, and a few common household chemicals, wage war against a mysterious monster threat that turns the very soil they walk on into a living nightmare. Employing the help of a shitbag teenager, a screaming child, <laughs> two whack-ass preppers, an enterprising immigrant that really should be living in a city if you knew any better, maybe San Francisco. <laughs> Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I am Mr. X-Chan with this wonderful tour this morning. And absolutely zero black people, Valentine and Bert, Buster Keaton around the desert, and pole vault between these residual boulders, as well as a mix of humor and scares in a delicate dance that many films attempt, but most fail when they attempt it. And uh, before I forget to um, shout him out. I just really love Victor Wong, who plays uh, Walter Chang in this. He's in some yeah. some um, B movies. He's in, he's famously in uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which is a movie yeah. that has a con, you know what, I, I am not the, you know, if we got some, if we got some like, actual Asian humans onto this show to give their opinions <laughs> regarding Big Trouble in Little China. I would love to hear their perspective of it, particularly our age group where, you know, we were the little white boys with squirt gun Uzis and squirt gun M16s running around thinking that everything that John Carpenter yeah. did was awesome. But I, I from my perspective, will stand behind Big Trouble in Little China because John Carpenter came to it in my opinion, with good expectations as a fan of all the references he pulled into that film. And we're not going to go on to a whole tangent yeah. about this, but he's really, he's really hilarious in that movie and this movie, Victor Wong. And he really turns Walter into a real person. Very similarly to yeah. almost everybody in this movie does. Um, like this movie does a really good job of giving people, even ones with limited screen time, a sense that they are real. They feel like real people behaving like real people would in a, a, a particular bizarre situation, right? Um, so yeah. this is a really rare case, I'm going to say that a lot this episode, where I'm literally going to list <laughs> all of the cast of this film because there's like 15 of them. So Kevin Bacon as Val McKee, Fred Ward as Earl Bassett, Finn Carter as Rhonda LeBeck, Michael Gross as Burt Gummer, who anyone who is interested in the ongoing saga of the Tremors-verse knows that he is basically yeah. the only person that carries on through eternity, including Travis. Traveling to the past, yeah. apparently, to fight the yeah. graboids in their many incarnations. <laughs> in incarnations. Reba fucking McIntyre as his wife, Heather Gummer. Yeah. Bobby Jacoby as pre previously alluded to. Melvin Plug is the shitty teenager. Charlotte Stewart as Nancy. Tony Gennaro as Miguel. Both of them don't live very long. Ariana Richards as little girl Mindy. Ariana Richards. Uh, yeah, what am, what, am I, what am I thinking of Ariana Richards in? She was Jurassic in, she Park. She was Lex in Jurassic Park. Yeah, she's Park. the one that yeah. gets uh, doesn't get fried. And yeah, that that's about the only two movies. Yeah, that well, she, she did. mostly just made that one face of like, ah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like just like Carrie Hen, she 
decided that uh, being in movies was terrible. <laughs> Richard Marcus as Nestor, not a very good fate in this movie. Victor Wong, as we have said, as Walter Chang. Sunshine Parker as Edgar, not a whole lot going on there. Michael Dan Wagner as Old Fred, <laughs> not good fate for him. Things are not going good for anybody below this part of the list. Michael Dan Wagner as uh, <laughs> Old Fred. Conrad Bachman as Jim the Doctor. B.B. Besh as Megan the Doctor's wife. Uh, both of them get sucked into the ground in the great car gag. John Goodwin as Howard, yeah. the road worker. John Pappas as Carmine, the other road warrior and t- uh, road warrior. Road worker. And Tom Woodruff Jr., who we will get to later, is actually uncredited as a graboid because he's a puppeteer technically in the special effects of this film. Um, so that's literally yeah. everybody in this whole damn movie because it takes place in a town with nobody in it. Another reason why Tremors is the most American horror film of all time because it embraces context. Horror films are greatly <laughs> contingent on the context where the monster lives. So whether it is Amity and its surrounding ocean community in Jaws, Outpost 31 in the middle of the Antarctic in The Thing, Cabrini Green, the housing complex in Candyman, Chicago, or the Nostromo in the first Alien film... All of these spaces that contain the horror and therefore the monster, including Perfection Nevada, are powerful because in this film, it puts a whammy on the audience because what the characters take for granted, what we all take for granted, the mother-humping ground on which we walk and drive our Buick LeSabres and build, you know, everything into an ocean containing a mysterious colossal series of monsters of unknowable origin. The secret magic (laughs) of the film is doing a the floor is lava to grown-ass adults with access to you know, jeeps and shotguns. And and, uh, and that trick is a profound trick. It is doing a trick uh, uh, that works on the mind of a seven-year-old and doing it onto you know, paranoid people that are prepping for World War III and making it salient. Um, And that is a very powerful magic trick. That's why there's not movies that are, like, doing that, you know, since. I I haven't seen a movie that does something similar to that in the ensuing 25, 20, uh, how many, 23, 22, what year is it? Years. Um, Oh, my goodness, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. 23 years. Uh, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> the heroes of it behave, I think, how Americans imagine themselves in a crisis of, of, of thinking in a clever way, even though maybe that's not how the world thinks of us, of being resourceful, of having <laughs> access to what you might need even when your resources are cut off from you. You know, thinking thinking yeah. abstractly, using using quick-wittedness and, you know, dirty, uh, you know, shit-on-the-boot know-how and transforming your knowledge about the old man's stories about how he avoided a stampede to kill this bizarre surprise that may be billions of years old. You know, it is it is our aspirations as Americans that you might live in buttfuck nowhere, but you will accidentally be thrown into this bizarre Twilight Zone or Hitchcockian uh, 
you know, nightmare and come out on top because you, your, your grit, determination and fast thinking saved the day, right? It is so in the center of what Americans like to think about ourselves when most of us are probably actually more, you know, like, uh, you know, Melvins and Nancys and old Freds, you know, or yeah, Yeah. Nestor, there's more Nestors and Mindys and Melvins than, than we would like to think. We're not, we're not yeah. mostly Vals and Earls and Rondas and Berts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, America. But <laughs> what can we definitively say about the Graboids within the context of the 1990 film? I will tell you, Gavin, do you want to start us off? Because I'm a little, yes. I've obviously more recently read up on this. What occurs to you? Can, what can we definitively say about these monsters within the context of the original film? They, um, I always thought that it was um, neat that uh, the, the threat of the monster comes from several different um, heads. Right. Which, which I guess come out of a mouth, but the, like, it's a, it's a multi-staged attack. Like it's, it's carried to the victim by the monster, by the mouth. And then it opens up and then it can, and the heads, the small heads themselves can travel through the ground, um, just as efficiently as the large head. However, that's yeah, there's kind of a surprise um, Hydra slash Xenomorph mouth within a mouth. Oh, shit, there's way more of this than I thought thing going on. Yeah. Um, If if anybody has become familiar with the film and poignantly stared about how the poster is not right, what the poster is is kind of a reference (laughs) to... Jaws, where the vast majority of it is taken yeah. up by the subterranean space. The main characters are just in the top little section that is above ground, and underneath is a colossal <laughs> monster. What that actually is, is it an adapted version of one of these little sub-tongue worm pieces that are just yeah. an appendage of the greater, you know, uh, kind of flower rock, earth elemental monster beast worm thing that we come to know as the Eyeless yeah. Graboid um, Dealy Bops. Uh, they're an Eyeless Subterranean a monster of about between like 30 and 75 feet. They probably grow to this group in the movie. We start out and there must be four. I, I, let me get this right, but it was going to be four of them. And then two. And then last yeah. one that they actually named Stumpy because they were, they uh, injured him when he, he tore up yeah. um, Val and uh, Val and Bert's truck or Val and Earl's truck. Some other things that we can say about them, they determine, thanks to Rhonda's uh, scientific hypothesizing throughout the film, Rhonda played by Finn Carter, that they are using sonic sensing through vibration and that they use all their weird little tendrils and hooky kind of like sh- sharp little things that push them through the earth and w- in some unknown yeah. sense to basically sonically deduce things in three-dimensional space around them, how they can do that while traveling at like 40 miles an hour through solid uh, sand (laughs) and, um, you know, pebbles and stone. I don't know. Don't dig too far into the practicality of how they move because, you know, it it, it doesn't survive longer than the 90 minutes of the film. But luckily within that context, it doesn't matter because the film is very surprising. Um, uh, But specifically... Uh, they have these weird 
tongue, eyeless snake things that come out and grab you and pull you into the vast central mouth. They have weird, gushy pink blood. They have a very grotesque, clear proto-saliva stuff that comes off of them. They eat, they, you know, they are carnivorous. They consume um, uh, other animals and human beings in the process of of killing them they're not just killing for sport they're actually appear to be getting nourishment and leaving <laughs> scat they smell really bad as the characters reference on a couple of occasions and yeah. very specifically they're not explained in terms of what their origin is um in one of the episodes of the show i previously mentioned making perfection steve wilson explains to our mind um, they had four possible origins. Could have been um, a laboratory experiment, so created by human beings. They could have been from space, somehow. They could have been um, metaphysical, yeah. <laughs> which is a fancy way of saying magical to his mind. And they could have just been naturally yeah. occurring, which is the closest thing that Rhonda could possibly indicate. Yeah. Because, well, obviously she's a scientist, so tr- wondering, this is a weird yeah. animal, it's under the ground, it behaves like an animal, but it doesn't match anything in the fossil record, as is pointed out. And why would you only be seeing them now if they were, you know, two billion years old or whatever the fuck? At one point, Universal asked them, like, hey, we want an explanation in the film. What the fuck are they? So then they wrote, okay, there's a, there's a spacecraft <laughs> scene. And then everybody, everybody, everybody else read it in preparation for shooting. And everybody was like, what the fuck is this dumb spacecraft scene? They're like, you asked for it. And they're like, okay, get it out of here. Um, Which I think is totally the right decision because that would have been the dumbest shit in the world. Why would these giant carnivorous eyeless worms be flying a craft through space (laughs) <laughs> Moreover, Steve Wilson was completely right when he said, whatever explanation it is, if it is explained, it's totally unsatisfying. It will, it, they, yeah. it, much like Night of the Living Dead, in posing some various yeah. hypotheses, but not actually walking you down the yellow brick road to Oz and then having Oz come out and give you the story of what it is. It leaves your mind open to question it for the context of the movie and maybe, you know, over a a 40 ounce of King Cobra later arguing with a friend about whether it was aliens or, you know, a lab experiment. That's as far as it needs to go. If it takes you there during the course of the movie, it's going to spoil it in a very unsatisfying way, in my opinion. There is no positive to to finding out. Yeah, the whole movie is like a mystery. It's a uh, it's a series of clues and like special effects gags to finally see like how big and how dangerous this monster was. Absolutely. And And, um, if you explain it one hundred percent, especially with like a, a an origin story that's more than just like um, that's all that these people are probably ever going to uh-huh. see of them. Then um, it's it is it would be incredibly unsatisfying, and nobody would like the the uh, explanation given. Like I yeah. guarantee it. The, even if Vince Gilligan wrote the origin story for the for the worm, then it would uh, be disappointing mm-hmm. to people. Well, since you mention. 
uh, effects in that explanation, which I, I think is completely true. Um, I want to talk about the two guys that were the head of a company at the time that did the uh, lion's share of the effects, Amalgamated Dynamics Incorporated, who formed in 1988. Two guys who were the head of the creature effects in this uh, in this movie, which are basically all of them. Um, a guy named Todd Woodruff <laughs> Jr. And his partner, Alec Guinness, uh, partners in their company. And between them, most of these they have both worked on. Some of them are just one of them. Some of them are the other. One's more puppet-heavy guy. One's more um, uh, moved closer into CG and other kinds of effects. But between them, and most of these are in the middle of their quote-unquote Venn diagram. Mortal Kombat, Cocoon, (laughs) Jaws 3D, Alienation, Jumanji, (laughs) Bedazzled, Starship Troopers, Death Becomes Her, Alien Resurrection... Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, Alien vs. Predator 1 and 2, The X-Files, Castaway, <laughs> Alien 3, Leviathan, Monster Squad, Aliens, and Terminator. Um, because I th- one or possibly both of them were part of uh, the Stan Winston team for a while. So these, these guys are yeah. really um, top-notch in terms of effects. And you can see that in the almost exclusively practical effects that cause the graboids to feel real, to feel like real biological plausible entities rather than just total stupid like puppet goof-em-ups. I mean, they they employ pu- they yeah. employ puppetry, yeah. <laughs> they employ um, scale models, they employ like, you know, h- huge dead casts that are well painted and, you know, so the the characters can pick them up and drop the ass end when they find it, et cetera, et cetera. They employ all of this huge yeah. Universal Studios work to make the graboids seem like they could be physical entities in the world digging through the soil and chewing people up and sucking them into the ground. And and from yeah. I will give an unmitigated, you know, a 100% A++++ for how they use these special effects and how they're executed in this film. There's very rarely... I will take any pure CGI movie and pair it up against Tremors and say, I dare you to tell me that that boldly looks better than this. I just do, I, I yeah. do not buy it. I, I do not think it is old man prejudice. I think it is straight up true that CGI has still in yeah. 2022 not gotten to the point where you can do 100% CGI and and not marry it with a mix of uh, puppetry and analog practical effects and get what's better than in Tremors, which is basically just all blood, sweat, gunk, and puppets. Yeah. yeah. Long blonde hair, big green eyes, world-class breasts, ass that won't quit, and legs that go all the way up. Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword. That's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. 
Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a good list for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield Iron Forge Cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffersmer of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. In the case of, in this, the case of uh, say, more, more recent King Kong or Pacific Rim, I would say that, that yeah. there, we were kind of cresting this horizon where both the effects are getting plausible enough and the momentum of their yeah. total force in terms of like, holy shit, look at that fucking nonsense, is, is so yeah. profound <laughs> that the spectacle is doing something different in a way that, that causes you to go yeah. on a ride. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I have a very, like, prejudiced and aged eye for these things where, you know, if you're 12 and you see Pacific Rim, you might just like shit yourself with joy the whole time, you know? And like, am I, I, am I going to sit here and say that's not a valid like experience of it? You know, like I will cut the line at say fucking Avatar and say like Avatar is a series of turds rearranged in backwards order. Um, but like, but yeah. you know, maybe Pacific Rim and you know <laughs> Kong versus Godzilla are fine. Maybe they're fine. Um, yeah. I, like I'm not gonna sit here and be anti-Pacific Rim because I think it, I thought it was fun as hell. I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Look at that. Oh uh, yeah, fuck yeah, robot, yeah. Uh, big monster, cool. I'm, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm I not. Just, I'm not giving it a thumbs down either. Yeah, me neither. I was. I was just thinking, like, whenever I watch Pacific, and now I'm talking about Pacific Rim, which has yeah. monsters. Yeah, in it. it's oh, t- yeah. very relevant to the um, show. We could totally cover that on this show. It's you just yeah, you just I, try to police I your robot like a, time, and that's reasonable. But it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Though. Like, I had an expectation of like how these robots are going to take and deal damage and what it would look like. And it kind of just looked like it was alive. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Sure. um, Yeah. Yeah. Like the robot was also a living thing. And that's, I didn't like that. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it, it was clear enough that, um, that I got an impression of it. Unlike avatar that I didn't get an impression off of those blue things at all. I don't know what the hell, what the hell anybody was thinking with that. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Master at arms, take that man below and clap him in irons. Some other people that were uh, lined up to play Valentine McKee, other than Kevin Bacon, include Ooh. Bill Paxton ah! and Bruce Campbell. 
Whoa. Um, both of which make me feel kind of awkward. I can kind of get with Bill Paxton just because I love him and he, he, he seems like he can adapt to any role. But uh, I think Bruce, uh, to me, Bruce Campbell seems like a way bad choice. And I love Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that would have um, been a bad choice. Like, Bruce I, Campbell, it would have it felt yeah. very, because Bruce Campbell has his, chung, his, has his tongue so far in his cheek yeah. that... Even when, even during this era where he was like super handsome Briscoe County Junior Bruce Campbell, yeah, that it would have come off as like a Zap Brannigan character. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. hey, we, it is sure hard living out here in the desert, isn't it? Yeah, ha -ha, babes. Hey, that and scientist beer, right? is getting with me. The legs that go all the way up. Um, one thing that I do agree with some internet commenters that have um, dinged the the movie is. Pro pro probably the weakest characterization of Val is that he's kind of like a, a lady obsessed kind of like hot dog kind of you know Ken, <laughs> uh, like mulleted Ken of a of a, a sexy cowboy boot boy. Yeah, and you know that that it's it's a little bit it's a little bit on the nose the way that they write his you know. But I, I they for 1990 it plays really well. It doesn't age super great, but you know everybody sucked in 1990. So you know what? Are you yeah. Doing? And yeah, they started writing the movie in like 1985, but I, I get it as a valid complaint. I, I would think Bill Paxton would have done an excellent job, maybe, but it was six years before Twister. Yeah. So like Bill Paxton might have still been um, Chet. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> imagine the thing is I'm imagining them both saying and legs that go all the way. Yeah. And like yeah. out of out of Bruce Campbell it is terrifying. And out of yeah. Bill Paxton it is uh, yeah, it's too it's it's deep chet. It's yeah. like horny chet, which is not yeah. good. Which not, is like a dismissive character. It's not a main yeah. character. It's like no, a character that all. you ignore. Like, oh man, that guy, that guy. Yeah, it's cre guy. yeah, creepy Mormon <laughs> uncle. It's not yeah, the vibe that yeah. you're for at all. <laughs> he was really good in Creepy Mormon Uncle. Yeah, the original title of that show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, there were some other uh, alternative <laughs> titles before Universal gave them, much like the poster concept, they gave them the order that, nope, this is going to be called Tremors, which was not their idea at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was uh, one that was, it wasn't, it wasn't silent, but deadly. Shit, now, I've, now I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> one was called Beneath Perfection, huh. I believe. Uh, so there was Land Shark. Oh, yeah. Beneath Perfection. That one was around so long they made the crew swag jackets say that. So huh. if you if you dig around eBay real deep, you can get a hideous denim jacket with this bizarre logo on the back that says Beneath per Perfection and like the Universal Whoa. logo. Yeah, and I then um, <laughs> uh, I found I found a lot of jackets. It was like a hollow man jacket, a beneath perfection yeah. jacket, and a couple of other weird cheap satin jackets for like $329 and it had all been sold. It was like a lot of four of them. So presumably yeah. you might be able to, you know, if you were to get one, probably one, 200 bucks. After this, after they get the bump from our show, they're going to be through the roof though. So get them while they're <laughs> fat. Get them while they're hot, folks. So guess, guess what I just found. Um, there's a band called the Bacon Brothers. Um, okay. And I do believe Kevin Bacon is in it. Um, 
and they have a song titled Beneath Perfection. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to put that dumb thing in the show now. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Is it does it actually have Kevin Bacon in it? I need to know this. I'm going to I'm going to investigate for Brothers Michael Bacon and Kevin Bacon. If that's just another guy named Kevin Bacon, that would be really um but if I paint a perfect me, I risk rejection beneath the surface of a man. Flaws that you will see in time. Their hometown of Philadelphia at the Theater of Living Arts. So, is he actually from Philadelphia? I don't know that much about Kevin Bacon. I'm I'm very pro Kevin Bacon, but um, I don't know enough about him to say whether he's from Philadelphia. Oh man, it's a really good song. <laughs> really? Yes. Well. Maybe we can give Kevin Bacon that bump in his career that he needs at this point with our hit podcast. <laughs> Get people paying attention to him again. Yeah. Here's your yeah. one chance, fans, so don't let me down. Ever since Stir of Echoes. <laughs> I, I talked shit last episode about Stir of Echoes. I don't know if it made it into the, the episode or whether I cut it out, but it's, it's good. It's got, you know, it's kind of all right. It was fine. Yeah. It, it's a, it's, um, it was another 1999 movie that came out while I was working at the car mic and, you know, I'd step into it and watch it. It wasn't that scary. I will, yeah. I will, I will say that as I've mentioned up that like, has I mentioned up? I don't know. Is that, it's not even an Apple, <laughs> as, that's not even an Appalachian that I'm pulling out of some, some deep holler in my mind. As I mentioned up in previous <laughs> episodes <laughs> of our podcast. We're inventing things. <laughs> Kevin so, Bacon and that As you movie, mentioned up. <laughs> as I mentioned up in a previous episode, I the Stir of Echoes suffers from, in my opinion, every ghost movie after like 1991, which is yeah. like, are you is there Jesus cheese in this burger or not? Like what yeah. are the what are the implications of there clearly being an afterlife? And whose yeah. afterlife is it? Because like I and and I personally, I believe in nothing. You know, we cut out, we cut off your Johnson Lebowski. I don't believe in fucking anything, which is one of the weird things that's, in my opinion, delightful about this show. I don't believe in any of this fucking shit, you know, but I would love to believe in it. I would love for there to be graboids and Nessies and Draculas. Come at me, Draculas. I would love to meet the whole monstrous manual, but I don't think any of it's there. But if you're going to wrangle ghosts is, you know, you're going to like... So are the nuns in charge? Do you need to stop? Yeah. Do you need to stop masturbating? Can you hide in a church? Like I, yeah. do, I like I don't think you can just get like a sh- one shake of Parmesan onto the burger. You have to like commit to some logical ethos where suddenly people are talking to you from the afterlife. And basically, well, you know, late 80s, early 90s, we went through this cultural Rubicon where you really have to explain why we're suddenly in a ghosty world and I should believe that I'm not just having a nervous breakdown. And You know yeah. what I mean? 
Well, that's um, one thing about Stirb Echoes that I was going to say was that that I was going to mention up was that um, <laughs> like I I had definitely thought about it after watching it like for for a couple of years I would I would find my brain wandering back to Stir of Echoes and thinking yeah that was fucking weird and like <laughs> and not a lot of movies can do that like uh, in an entertaining way like yeah I'll, I'll either remember a movie. And it'll just either be, like, a flat opinion of it or, yeah. like, a single detail. If it's, like, a bad movie, I mean. Yeah. And, no, I, and yeah, that's I what I'll remember about it. But Stir of Echoes had me wander it, uh, in my aimless thought pattern in several different directions. And not a lot of movies can do that. So, it, yeah. Yeah, but for, for me, based off of that rubric, based off of that rubric, which I will also mention up my experience, was that, that like I referenced last episode, is for me, I literally only remembered the one joke where the kid was helping him dig up the, like, graveside size holes looking for the girl in the backyard. And the mo- the totally reasonable mom comes out and is like, what the hell are you doing? And why is the kid help? Why is the kid there? And he's like, he's helping. Like, oh, that was the only thing I remember. I cannot remember a single other fucking thing or about like, maybe there's a girl walking around the house. Is it a dream? <laughs> is it a nightmare? Is it a hallucination? I don't fucking know. It's a stir of echoes. Like I, yeah. and, and I probably as an usher with my shitty bow tie and maroon vest sat in the back of that movie for a total of like six hours, because whenever you work at a movie theater as an usher, let me tell you what you mostly do. Sit in the back of movies and eat floor candy. So like, and like, so if, if the movies are at all memorable, you will remember the shit out of them. And it just washed over me. And also I will say if Kevin Bacon had not been in it, I think it would have been an absolutely nothing burger. There would have been, there would have been nothing to it in the slightest because he really jazzes up every scene and turns it into something by just like, the the camera lights literally shining off of his gleaming eyes and his weird yeah. deeply carved chin recesses and stubble and you're like yeah look at that Kevin Bacon baking it up the whole room but <laughs> nothing else I don't like it was a secret murder I've rem- I learned the punchline to that movie like nine times I still don't fucking remember it because I don't care but anyway um, <laughs> well, Stirgar- it turns Stirgar- out that, it's that fine. House's assistant is. Um, can also be a teenager at that time. Uh, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Oh, I will say that this movie is definitely one of the top five horror mullets of any movie. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, if I can, I, I can only think of two off the top of my head. I got um, this and Kiefer Sutherland in Lost Boys. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, yeah. Dylan, what's his butt in um, The Blob? The 90s, the, yeah. the 80s Blob? Who's yeah. that? Um, who's the Blob star? My friend Patrick Dylan is his Bacon. cousin. Dylan Blob. No, Matt, Matt Dylan. My name Dylan. Is, is Matt Bacon Blob. Kevin Dylan. Kevin Dylan of the Blob. Uh, yeah, but my friend Patrick is actually his cousin. Um, is probably, those are huh. top, top three horror mullets. We're going to say Kevin Bacon. And we got Kevin Bacon. We got Kiefer. We've got, is that? Uh, and another Kevin, okay. I'm trying to think of another horror mullet that really goes, that really fucks, like it's uh, like driving a bitchin' van. Um, hmm. um, send in your horror mullets to oopsallmonsters at yeah. gmail.com. No, we need to fill uh, this list out. Google will only show you um, Rowdy Roddy Piper and um, Keith hmm. Sutherland. 
That's a mullet, though. They live. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Natta is, that's a totally a mullet. Um, okay. So, Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh, hey, so we got the, four uh, right off the top of the dome. Yeah, the, the black guy from, uh, Return, or, no, wait, the, ow. Oh, oh, no, Return not of Return of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. Yeah, Return of the Living yeah. Dead. The black punk guy. What's his name? Let's yeah. look him up. Return, I, I'm gonna, I'm sorry, audience, I gotta do Return Dead Black Dude. Um, because I've never seen that guy at anything else. So to me, he's the black punk in Return of the Living Dead. Other than Suicide and uh, Trash, I don't remember any of their fucking names. I don't remember the most of the white ones' names. It's not a race thing. It's like the characters are just oh, yeah, mostly yeah. not characters that you name. You know, yeah. Bert, Frank, Ernie. So let's see. One of yeah, these guys like is black. Sp- Spider. Spike. Miguel, spider, yeah. Miguel A. Nunez Jr. is literally, the character is literally Spider. You know, I think it's time you tell us what the fuck's going on. I don't on. have to tell you anything, dick brain. We think you should. Actually, now I even like that character more now that his name's Spider. Yeah. Like, let's get a... Uh, dear Hollywood, let's get a Spider prequel up in this movie. Does Spider survive the movie? I don't... Does, most uh, of them technically don't. Technically, nobody does, but Oh, yes. yeah, right, because they nuke the whole town, right. Spoilers! Yeah. Um, right, but, <laughs> yeah. but if... I, but was, yeah, he, was, he he, was he He's alive he, up until that point. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's in the attic with... Well, uh, that means girl. he's, you know, that means he's Hollywood movie alive, uh, quote-unquote alive. He could have, you know, you could have found yeah. a way that he lived through it, right? You yeah. Know, terrible sequel style. So, yeah, okay, we got... So we got five, like, right off the dome. Miguel... Uh, as Miguel Nunez Spider. is in a lot of stuff. Yeah, probably because he doesn't look like a fucking lunatic the rest of the time, and he's not in a weird punk rock zombie movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's in Sco- he's in that damn Scooby Doo James Gunn movie. Yeah. Fuck, I gotta Everybody's watch that. Everybody's in James Gunn Scooby Doo movie. <laughs> I gotta see that. What? How much? How is that an actual thing that I care about now? 2002's Scooby Doo with um with um. Matthew fucking Lillard. Anyway, that, I think that movie is going to be following us around. We're quickly learning the things that are following us around thematically on this show, and they're not what I was yeah. expecting them. And they're not what it's not what I was expecting. And one of them is this fucking 2002 Scooby Doo with Freddie Prinze Jr. and goddamn <laughs> Matthew Lillard. <laughs> is Velma. Yeah, don't get me started yeah. on that. It'll be a whole sidebar. You had too much Cardellini <laughs> in your Velma. Big green eyes, world-class breasts, ass that won't quit, and legs that go all the way up. So on another episode, we'll rank them in order, but our power mullets of the horror genre are Kevin Bacon as Val from yeah. uh, Tremors, Kiefer Sutherland as uh, Kiefer Sutherland in The Lost Boys, um, Kevin Dillon in The Blob, um, Rowdy Roddy Piper, obviously, and they live, and Miguel something 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 as Spider in <laughs> Return of the Peter. Living Dead. Thank you. What? Well, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, syllables there. Um, so yeah, we got five <laughs> mullets, no problem. One of the things that was really toward and the top of my pyramid when con- conceiving of this show. You know, I I will say when, the first time I got a projector to replace watching movies on a TV when I was living in a microscopic apartment in the Miracle Mile in Los Angeles, I upgraded to this weird little LG projector. And the first thing I put on it to see whether it worked was Tremors. I love this yeah. fucking movie, if it's not obvious. It is a it is a true yeah. 
It is a true VCR comfort movie from the zone where I was just like really destroying, um, you know, uh, RC, RCA televisions with my eyes uh, and uh, relating more to people that are inside of little taped boxes than in reality. And Tremors just continues to be yeah. delightful on every... There's nothing about it other than very slight tonal changes that, that don't really age perfectly. No, no, nothing is wrong with it. No, no one is cast wrong. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. It's scary. It's funny. I love every single little piece of it, and probably that's why I don't even bother trying to give a shit. You know, every once, every three yeah. years, I'll watch, try to watch one of those goddamn sequels. I get about 15 minutes through, and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, pull the record too. on this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tremors will also, like you said, test out your television to see like what quality television you might have. Well, because I, I know it backwards. There's a lot of panoramic shots. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of yeah. yeah. It's brightly it's brightly lit. Um, yeah. You know, you you know what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. <laughs> as a random trivia thing that I would have missed is as hot as that movie looks, the first day of shooting mm-hmm. they got snowed out. Um, at, ver- at various times of that movie, they were dodging bizarre desert dust from a, a dry lake bed. On different days, they got hailed out. On different days, they got snowed out. And on different other days, they got heat stroked out. So they were yeah. the, the production had all sorts of practical issues with being in that desert um, that, you know, people don't really give a shit about hearing. But if you like hearing any of that uh, movie trivia production stuff, there's a little bit of it for you. All right. Well, let's we end this show by going to the section where we ask, is it, is it, is it? Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it fiction van art? Maybe. I. Uh, this is hard. Like, maybe. I think the graboids are bitching. I think that. Yeah. I think that given the amount of leeway we've given certain van art. I think like th- it's it's a technically yes. I think it is a a soft yes as the monster, yeah. and it, it is you get kind of into a medium yes with the with the first movie as a whole, you know. Because yeah. definitely, you know, you could do you could you <laughs> could either do the poster or you could make your own style of poster art with like you know Michael yeah. Gross and Reba McIntyre and you know like throwing improvised. Uh, you know, like chimney bombs with elephant guns and shit. Yeah. It would just be like an obvious promotional van. Like, but it it could look bitchin, you know, I mean, but it would be bitchin. The poster, the poster is kind of bitchin. It's got that kind of like foreboding jaws, cello vibe. And we're going to give this a weak bitchin, I think, but I I thought a week coming into this subject, (laughs) I thought it was going to be a strong. Yes, but I'll give it a a weak you know, un, undead um, return of the living yes. dead out of the graves. Thanks to the, the barrels of monoxal nine or whatever the shit it was. <laughs> so what's the other thing we do? Oh yeah. Would you, you like a picture of Gary Newman? <laughs> I would like a picture of Gary Newman. There is nothing All right. in life well, literally that I would like more right now than a well, picture. Check of, this out then. Uh, New wave avant-garde electronic Moog enthusiast Gary Newman. We got to look up his middle name. I bet he has a weird middle name. Albert. Let's no, take. I don't know. Let, 
Okay, that's Gary Newman and um, I'm assuming a lady that might be his wife, but I couldn't, it's, uh, it's, um. It is his wife, yes. Okay, good. Um, I want to, before I start describing this, I, w- I want us to take bets on what Gary Newman's middle name might be. Oh, uh, okay. I'm, um, uh, with zero knowledge, I'm going to say, now Melvin is too, I'm going to say, I'm just going to, it's actually going to be pretty, no, I'm going to go hard English. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say like, his middle name's like Essex or, um, I'm, I'm going to say or like, like pork Alvin. pie. Albert. I'm sure okay, it's Albert. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go. Uh, the, you're gonna say Albert. I'm gonna say Essex. Let's, let's look it up. Yeah. <laughs> Born Gary Anthony James Webb. I'm gonna oh. give that point to you. I think Anthony is way huh. closer than Essex. It's a. <laughs> uh, Albert is not a million years away from, and and of course his okay. last name is not Gooman. Gary Anthony James Webb, which is definitely not Newman. All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm, my brain must have pulled something. They, his family lived in Essex. Weird. That's a, huh. huh. Okay. My brain must have like slotted that into a folder and pulled it randomly out of nowhere. Huh. How weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I got this picture. It's like, um, yeah. he's on some, he's it's, wearing, he's wearing goth boots on some kind of red carpet with a, yep. um, I would what I would call middle-aged goth wife, which is appropriate because what the fuck? He's also wearing how would I God damn it. He's like he's 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 well, he's so like goth club, we spotted your vibe from across the room. Like um I love to reference this game. Uh it's a tabletop role-playing game, and Gary Newman looks like he's straight out of it, of course, Shadow. Yeah, he looks like a They look like Shadow. He looks like an insect shaman. <laughs> yeah. Looks, yeah. <laughs> or or people in the back of an uh you know, a Matrix movie. You know? Yeah. Or like <laughs> or you know, or or maybe the stunt doubles for two of the main characters, a la the stunt doubles in Spaceballs from like the Matrix Two. You know, it was like, ha, <laughs> you haven't caught Neo and Slice. You've caught our stunt doubles, Agent Smith. Yeah. And this stands up and it's Gary Newman and his wife, this lady. Now we have to now I have to know who this lady is. I can't keep calling her Gary Newman's wife. It is his wife. It's Je- Emma, Gemma, um, oh boy. Gemma Oxfordshire. For, getting this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we said Gemma Oxfordshire, nobody would call us on it. It's Gemma O'Neill. Uh, Gary Newman's superfan wife had an entire body lift and exploding Ugh. breasts. She's had five hair transplants and they have a giant dragon in their castle garden. So is this pop music's quirkiest couple ever? Um, they're just transhumans. Don't worry about it. They're, they're, yeah. Oh, giant sculpture of a dragon. I was like, they have a basilisk? What the fuck? I don't think those are legal in, um, <laughs> They did outlaw dragons back in... Uh, <laughs> After like, what happened to Princess Diana. <laughs> they outlawed dragons back in, like, 580. <laughs> she kind of looks like Jennifer Tilly turned into a doll in one of the later Chucky movies. Yeah. Um, 
which, um, you know, if you some people are really going to be into Jennifer Tilly as a doll. Uh, I don't necessarily want to invite those people to my meat and cheese party, but, you know, uh, to each their own. Wow, well, there's an amazing, there's an amazing... I, mean, I, it's, I scared myself with how appealed I was to Jennifer Tilly as a doll. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're the first one for that to be the case. I'm linking you <laughs> this other photo. Yeah. The caption to this photo that I just dropped in here is... After her dad managed to wrangle a meetup and a signed single for his starstruck little girl, Gemma started to pitch up at gigs, often queuing, this is the most English caption ever, often queuing afterwards to get Gary's autograph, pictured as a teenage fan, Gary Newman with Gemma, his now wife getting his autograph in 1985, years before they got together. And how old does it look like she is in this photo that I just linked to you? I can't tell with that 80s haircut how old anybody is. Um, but I, I, maximum, what, 17? 16 to 31. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think you're being... 13 to I, 30. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Well, I dream of wires indeed. Are Friends Electric, or are they stalking you for 25 years at every gig you've ever done? <laughs> uh, this has been hashtag Gary Newman Kenku Artificer. Hashtag Gary Newman Kenku Artificer. Okay, well. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader, until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls full of flesh eating graboids. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes or whatever format you heard us on, give it a big rating. That really does help. I have a Twitch channel. Give it a big old rating. Come give me a rating uh, at Gavin Longshank's Twitch um, or like my YouTube channel. Subscribe to that if you want. Uh, I don't know. I do a lot of things. Please come show us your big rating. Uh, Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode. Comment on the Instagram. Engage the Instagram. Um, Send us suggestions about what monsters you want us to cover. Send us role-playing game stories. Send us anything at all that can be (laughs) enclosed in an email. To oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. I shouldn't have said that. You can send viruses and shit. Don't do that. <laughs> don't send some things. Just only yeah, send, send good, good things. things. Don't send don't send Marcus Parks's corpse. We want Marcus Parks from last podcast on the last to laugh that from last <laughs> podcast on the left to live so we can keep making amazing podcasts. Oh my God. Live Marcus. All right. So, um, lastly, nope, that's not the part I say. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, mm. hit us up with a one shot contribution at paypal.me slash oops, all monsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oops, all monsters. That would be amazing. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo, the darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube's at the Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin Bacon. And this has been Oops All Residual Boulders. Boulders.
Arizona desert. <laughs> I love residual boulders. That line gets me. Fred Ward's residual fucking hilarious, boulders. man. <laughs> yeah, just stay stick on these residual boulders. I mean, that, every time I laugh at it. Every time. It helps if you have nine or ten Miller High Lives, but still, every time. Every it's time. a good movie. It's really funny. Worth your time. Levels, levels, levels. Okay. Let's do, um, all right. Um, let's just levels. Does levels still exist? The do, nightclub? No. Oh, downtown? No. I think that <laughs> would tur got turned into a different cocaine front like 10 years ago or something. <laughs> yeah. I think it, now I think it's called uh, Teenage Jizz or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, huge, huge pecker. I don't, they, they keep... They keep making Stumbles. them more on the yeah. more on the nose uh, as we move through time. <laughs> yeah.